In Stories from the Midland, I've covered stories specifically about the Midland Terminal and Colorado Midland Railways, but I've yet to talk about the town of Midland. So let's take care of that now. Welcome to Stories from the Midland, a collection of historic tales from Teller County and the surrounding areas. In today's episode, we're stopping over at the bygone town of Midland. In our tale today, he thought of himself as a tough guy, calling himself the Terror of Midland. With his arrogance and his swagger, he headed for the community dance in early 1897. While there, he set his eye on a girl and found himself challenging some British guy for her attention. Word soon turned to fighting, and the terror was quickly beaten unconscious. The man who had sent the terror to the ground turned out to be boxer Bob Fitzsimmons, world heavyweight champion, a man who would become rated as one of the greatest boxers that ever lived and one of the hardest hitters. The date was most likely February 15th as Fitzsimmons was making his way from Colorado Springs to Leadville on the Colorado Midland. This was life in the Midland. In its early days, it was a rough place with fighting, rustling, and murders. It all started in the 1870s when a man named James Loshbaugh packed in everything he would need to homestead over 300 acres of Jackrabbit Gulch. The area would be platted as Midland in April of 1892 to house the workers building the Midland Terminal Railway, and the town would get its own post office near the end of June that same year. Midland, also known as Midland City, Midland Junction, and even Canterbury, was a stage stop with access to the four-mile toll road to the Cripple Creek Mining District. But in 1893, construction on the MT rails were stalled when the decision was made to abandon plans for narrow-gauge tracks in favor of the larger standard gauge. Once the issues with the investors were ironed out and updated plans were put in place, construction resumed and the railroad reached from Divide to Midland by the spring of 1894. People bound for Cripple Creek could take the Midland Terminal Railway from Divide to its terminus in Midland for $1.25, about $45 in 2023 money disembark the train, and take a coach from Hundley's stage line the rest of the way for an additional fee. Or I suppose they could walk the rest of the way, around 12 miles of significant elevation changes, for free. Today, if you're driving south on Highway 67 towards Cripple Creek from Divide, a bit after passing Mueller State Park, you'll reach a Y in the road. Highway 67 continues to the left, and the road to the right takes you to Rainbow Valley, and you'll enter what was once the bulk of the town of Midland. This is County Road 61. If you continued along this road as it winds along with Four Mile Creek, you're following the road that once carried Hundley stagecoaches to the mining district. People arriving to Midland could also stay at one of Midland's several hotels, including the one owned by James Loshbaugh, which also included the post office, a general store, a dining room, 
and of course a saloon. Midland would come to have seven saloons with unrestricted gambling as well as a roadhouse that served the finest in alcohol and cigars. They would provide entertainment for the area's railroad workers, lumberjacks, mill workers, and miners. Midland was also ideally placed to gather another kind of worker. During the labor strike of 1894, it turned out to be a good place to gather and stage militia and deputies before they continued further south towards the violence. Midland also did a brisk business in the lumber trade. With nine lumber mills, the town provided ties for the tracks being installed and lumber for the construction needs of the Cripple Creek District mines and buildings. But even the lumber trade could bring out the worst in the people of Midland. A gambler visiting the Cook and Lannan sawmill was killed over a game of poker in 1893 and buried in a massive sawdust pile where he laid undiscovered for 40 years. And on July 22, 1897, a man named Henry Ellis was transporting a load of railroad ties through Midland when the load overturned and fell on him, breaking his leg. He appealed to the residents of Midland for help getting medical attention, but he was refused. With nowhere else to go, he housed himself in a deserted bunkhouse. He had a little money on him with which to buy food, but that ran out and he found himself subsisting on his final can of peaches, which he had to stretch out for several days. Even then, the food and water ran out, and the residents of Midland seemed content to let him starve to death. A couple of tramps passing through found Ellis and gave him some of their food and water before moving on. And on August 18th, Ellis was discovered by two linemen named Pierce and Kelly from Gillette. They notified Dr. Green in Gillette, who found the abandoned man and arranged for his transport to his town, where he was put under the care of the Union Church, with Reverend Hacker and the congregation looking after him. Some of the residents of Midland took exception to the newspaper reporting on this neglect. They submitted a rebuttal to the Rocky Mountain News stating that they had helped Ellis and then abandoned him at his own request. But rough and tumble stories aside, Midland was only ever intended to be a temporary terminus for the Midland Terminal, a place to gather materials and temporarily house railroad workers. While business and a community grew in the town, its businesses were doomed to be short-lived from the start. In August 1895, the Midland Terminal completed its construction to Victor and it reached Cripple Creek in December of that same year. While timber was still gathered for use at the mines, business for saloons, stores, hotels, and the stage line evaporated as passengers bound for the mining district really had no reason to stop there. So began the decline of Midland. People began to move out, but more stubborn residents stayed in place and some poorer residents remained in the abandoned railroad cars. By 1900, only one hotel and a store were still in business. Needing a change to draw a new kind of business, some people tried fruitlessly to start farming, and a few guest ranches were started and had limited success. The name Rainbow Valley came about as the name of the largest guest ranch started by Texas oilman Colonel McFadden. The ranch went through several owners and repossession before partially being converted into plots of land for sale. In 1971, 
the Rainbow Valley Property Owners Association, which still exists today under Articles of Incorporation, restated in August of 2018, was established. And while today many newer residents think of the area as Rainbow Valley, if you look on Apple Maps or Google Maps, it's still labeled as Midland. Teller Route 61, which was once the stage road passing through the town on its way to the mining district, is a nice road to drive along with a few turnouts to stop and see Four Mile Creek, or by which to access Dome Rock State Wildlife Area. Thank you for joining us for this episode. This is Tommy Allen, and on behalf of Trevor Phipps, have a great day. And should you find yourself starting a new business, do a little area analysis to make sure of long-term traffic. We look forward to having you join us next time for more Stories from the Midland. References used in this episode can be found on its webpage. Visit storiesfromthemidland.com slash podcast. Boom.